0: Book 10, Chapter 6 through 10 of Of the Love of God by St. Francis de Sales, translated by H. L. Sidney Lear. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book 10, The Command to Love God Above All Things. Chapter 6, All Who Really Love Will Alike Love God Above All Things various as the degrees of love may be there is nevertheless but one law of love which is binding alike in all although it be so infinitely varied in its manner of fulfilment probably there are no two human souls on earth no two angels in heaven possessing a precisely similar measure of love and as one star differeth from another star in glory so among the blessed in the resurrection each one will have a new name written which no man knoweth saveth he that receiveth it revelation chapter two verse seventeen but amid this diversity let us examine what that degree of love is which is always unchangingly incumbent on all it strikes me as almost a providential circumstance THAT IN THE ORDINARY VERSION OF HOLY SCRIPTURE AUTHORIZED BY THE COUNCIL OF TRENT, THE PRECEPT OF LOVE IS EXPRESSED BY THE WORD DILECTION, RATHER THAN LOVE, FOR WHEREAS DILECTION IS LOVE, IT IS SOMETHING MORE, THAT IS, A LOVE COMBINING CHOICE AND DELIGHT, AS ST. THOMAS POINTS OUT THAT ITS PHILOLOGY INDICATES god's precept enjoins a supreme and select love even as the beloved is the chiefest among ten thousand canticle chapter five verse ten a love which must overrule all other loves and passions the love of god must needs be deeper seated in the heart than any other overflowing the soul above all other affections the most absorbing of every faculty and power and forasmuch as thereby we choose god as the highest object of our being it may be rightly called the supreme choice of love or the choice of supreme love there are various kinds of love paternal filial social dependent each so adapted to its special object that it cannot be appropriated to another. Fraternal love is not suitably bestowed on a parent, nor does a man love his wife after the fashion he loves his father, or his son as he loves his servant. Love varies, like honor. Supreme honor appertains to supreme excellence, supreme love to supreme goodness the love of god is without compare because there is none good as he the lord our god is one lord and thou shalt love him with all thine heart deuteronomy chapter six verses four and five it is this supreme dilection or delight which raises him above all other loves and causes us to desire to please him beyond all else And whosoever loves God thus will devote his whole soul and strength to God, preferring his grace to the whole world. Such supreme love is enjoined on all men severally and generally as necessary to salvation. CHAPTER seven, CONTINUATION OF THE SAME SUBJECT a man does not always see plainly save by the certainty of faith whether he possesses this necessary love but he will always find sufficient indications of it of which the surest perhaps is to be seen when some strong creature love comes into collision with god's will then if a man is possessed by the love of god it will not fail to assert its power over his will, not merely unrivaled, but solitary, checking and rejecting whatever might be opposed to his will. When the fallen angels rebelled against God, the archangel Michael, the prince of the angels, cried out, Who is as God? and overthrew them, his very name signifying who is as god so when the things of this world draw us away god's love if it prevail in the heart comes to the contest like another saint michael and conquers the foe crying out who is as god what is there in creature love fit to attract the heart from the sovereign goodness of god When Joseph perceived that he could not please his mistress without sinning against his master, he said, How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? God's love supreme above all. Sarah gave her handmaid Hagar to Abraham according to Oriental custom, and until Hagar began to despise Sarah, he showed no special preference between them. But so soon as the two affections came into collision, it was plain which he loved best. Divine love permits us to entertain other affections, and up to a certain point it may not seem clear which is strongest in the heart. Yet directly, that any opposition arises between the two, he who really loves God will unhesitatingly take his side and subject all other love to his there is a wide difference in things spiritual as in things natural between outward show and real worth one of cleopatra's pearls was worth more than the weightiest of stones however large a monarch's glory i should call greater when won in the field and better when won by powers of administration drums and trumpets make the loudest sound the harp and lute the sweeter melody an ounce of incense will not cause so powerful an odor as a pound of musk but it will be far sweeter and better you may see a mother so wrapped up in her babe that she seems to be capable of no other thought even for her husband but if it became a question of losing one or the other it would soon appear that albeit her maternal love was the tenderest and most demonstrative the love of her husband was deeper and stronger even so when a man loves god truly he will give the preference to his will in all things he will leave all else to hold fast to god's grace and even if his heart ordinarily seem less moved by divine love than by other affections, when occasion arises, it will call forth a vigor of action worth all the rest. The rabbit breeds with a marvelous rapidity, whereas the elephant produces but one foal, but that one is worth more than all the other's progeny. So earthly affections may make a great show, but the one act of sacred love is so perfect as to exceed them all, for it means an unreserved preference of God above all creation. Chapter 8 Wherein the Strength and Virtue of Sacred Love Lie The strength of this love of God may well be great, for it must exceed all affections conquer all difficulties and desire god's favour beyond all things and that absolutely and unreservedly i say this advisedly because there are people who would give up property fame and life itself for our lord's sake who nevertheless are not prepared to offer some special thing of much less importance to him to illustrate my meaning by an example in the time of the emperors valerian and gallus two friends inhabited antioch who were so closely bound together as to count themselves brothers at length however some difference marred this friendship and as is wont in such a case, it turned to a bitter hatred. Until after a while, Nicephorus, who was a layman, confessed himself in the wrong, and made three several attempts at reconciliation, which attempts Sapricius the priest, rejected scornfully. Even when Nicephorus went so far as to cast himself at his feet, and implore forgiveness in course of time a sore persecution arose in which cipricius endured all manner of torments for the faith without flinching and was finally condemned to die being led out to execution nicephorus ran to meet him and prostrating himself before the intended martyr repeatedly entreated his pardon but his entreaties were ignored by Cipricius. The very executioners marveled, and asked why he was so foolish as thus to persist in asking the forgiveness of one just about to die. Ye know not what I ask of him who thus confesses Christ crucified, he answered, but God knows. So he persisted till the very last moment, crying out, give and it shall be given unto you but the hard heart was not melted and Cypricius, who thus showed no mercy to his brother lost the glorious palm of martyrdom for his courage failing he cried out for delay and finally offered to sacrifice to the heathen gods then Nicephorus, with tears besought him not to forfeit the crown he had so nearly won. But Cipricius had forgotten the divine words, If thou bring thy gift before the altar, and there remember that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. And so his offering was rejected, and he lost his crown. But the meek Nicephorus, deeply moved at the sight, cried out that he was a Christian, and claimed the martyrdom which his friend rejected. So the one was set free, and the other beheaded, all which befell February seventh, A.D. 260, as recorded by Metaphrastes, and we should do well to ponder how sapricious although he had manfully endured diverse torments and willingly offered his life yet would not sacrifice his enmity toward nicephorus as god willed him to do and therefore failed thus miserably when the victory was all but won thereby teaching us that it is not enough to love god more than life itself unless we love him wholly and in all things whatsoever without reservation true our lord has said greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends yet of a truth while this is the climax of love there are many other seemingly easier more ordinary actions which are essential to the perfection of a true love of God. How could Sapricius dare to say that he loved God aright, when that love could not prevail over the hatred he felt for one of God's creatures? Verily, to die for Christ may be the greatest, but it is far from the only proof of love for God, and he who affects that to the exclusion of other acts, sets forth rather vanity than love. Love is never inconsistent, but it were the height of inconsistency to pretend to please him we love in great things, while indifferent to his pleasure in smaller matters. How can he die for love of God, who is not willing to live according to his will? theoretically he who is ready to die for his friend would doubtless be ready to bear all else for him inasmuch as he who regards not death might be supposed to be indifferent to all other matters but so perverse and inconsistent is man that sometimes he would rather sacrifice life itself than his empty foolish whims when Agrippina was told that her son would one day be emperor, but that being so he would kill her, she replied, I heed it not, so long as he may but reign. Cato and Cleopatra both chose death rather than to witness their enemies triumph in capturing them, and Lucretia killed herself sooner than seem guilty of a sin she had not committed there are many men who would die for their friends, yet nevertheless would not live to serve them or yield to their will. Some men would rather hazard life than fortune, and while not a few are willing to risk that life for their friends, there are few that would sacrifice reputation for another. Chapter 9. Testimony of Holy Scripture to this Assertion from the moment Jacob met Rachel by the well, the faithfulness and depth of his love for her knew no bounds. Seven weary years of service he counted as naught for the great love he bore her, and having won her, he served yet seven more gladly as her further price, despising Leah for her sake, although God blessed his union with her more fruitfully than that with Rachel. Yet judging by the circumstances told in Holy Scripture of Rachel's bartering her husband's affections against Reuben's mandrakes, it would not seem that the strength of her affection at all equalled Jacob's. And surely in like manner we often make the most unworthy choice, St. Augustine took great pains to discover wherein the great attraction of those mandrakes lay, but came to the conclusion that, though fair to look at, they were poor, tasteless things. And Pliny tells us that the surgeons of his time were wont to stupefy their patients with the juice of mandrakes before operating whence we may conclude that it is a plant which fascinates and dulls the senses and passions by sleep moreover he who long inhales it becomes dumb he who drinks too large a draught will die what better type of worldly pomp riches and pleasures they are fair to look on but whoso tastes finds no satisfaction or delight Yet their perfume intoxicates and bewitches, and they who drink too freely are numbed and stupefied. Yet for such mandrakes, such mere phantasmagoria, men forsake the love of their heavenly master. How can we say that we love him above all things, when we prefer such worldly vanities to his grace? Is it not a strange thing to behold David, who so nobly triumphed over hate and wrong, fall so lamentably before sensual temptations as to seduce Uriah's wife, and even to commit murder in pursuit of his passion? Who would not marvel to see St. Peter boldly defying the band of soldiers who came to seize his master, alone of all the disciples drawing his sword upon them, yet a few hours later denying that master for fear of a maidservant. Nor, if we remember how Adam and Eve rejected God's grace for the sake of an apple, need it seem so strange a thing for Rachel to value the mandrakes more than Jacob's love? IT IS THE NOTE OF HERESY THAT THE HERETIC PICKS AND CHOOSES SUCH ARTICLES OF FAITH AS IT SUITS HIM TO ACCEPT, IGNORING THE REST, WHEREAS THE CATHOLIC ACCEPTS ALL ALIKE WITHOUT EXCEPTION BECAUSE THEY ARE THE FAITH OF THE CHURCH, JUST SO WITH THE PRINCIPLES OF LOVE. HE IS A HERETIC IN DIVINE LOVE WHO CHOOSES TO OBEY SOME OF GOD'S COMMANDMENTS rejecting others he who said do not commit adultery also said do not kill now if thou commit no adultery yet if thou kill thou art become a transgressor of the law and that because thou dost not abstain from lust out of love of god but for some motive of thine own What should I say of one who told me he forbore to cut off my arm for the love he bare me, yet at the same time put out my eye, or pierced me with his sword? It is a first principle that good can only come from a perfect source, whereas evil may proceed from one which is but in part bad. Thus an act of real love must issue from a full, whole affection, embracing all God's commandments. And if we lack in love for any one of them, our love is not real, nor the heart whence it springs true. Chapter 10. We ought to love God far more than ourselves. Aristotle has well said, that while goodness is always attractive, each man prefers his own virtue, and his love for others springs from that which he bears to himself. A philosopher who neither knew nor loved God could see no farther. Yet it is true that the love of God precedes all self-love, even in the natural tendency of the will, as was demonstrated in Book I man's will is so entirely moulded and consecrated to goodness that it follows in a natural sequence that when infinite goodness is plainly set before it that goodness claims its supreme love thus the blessed are under a necessity though not one of violence to love god when they behold his sovereign beauty as we learn from holy scripture speaking of the rivers of delight which make glad the city of god but we poor mortals on earth are not so constrained to love him because we see him not so clearly in heaven we shall behold him face to face that is every one according to his capacity will gaze upon his infinite beauty and be wrapped in an ecstasy of love which we neither would nor could resist but here the faint glimpses which reach us invite without compelling us to love him more than self nay rather while possessing this holy inclination to love him above all things we have not strength to carry it out unless god grants us a supernatural supply of his most holy love nevertheless it is true that as the clear sight of the divinity infallibly produces the need to love him more than self so the perception or natural knowledge thereof infallibly produces a tendency to the same How should that will which is created to love what is good come ever so little face to face with its sovereign good and not feel drawn to love it above all else our will always is instinctively attracted to that which is most infinite and the disproportion between the infinite and the finite is so great that when once we recognize the former we are irresistibly drawn to prefer it to all other love, even that which is selfish. And this attraction is the stronger in that we are more gods than our own, and cannot realize what he is and what we are without crying out, Lord, I am thine only. Soul, will, affection, all is thine and reacheth only to thee. Thou art my first cause, my last end. Without thee I cannot exist. I must love thee more than myself, since I am thine, and in thee alone. Were there any sovereign goodness of which we were independent, so long as it was possible to unite ourselves thereto by love, we should tend to love it more than ourselves because such infinite sweetness would have more power to attract the will than all other things ourselves included or to suppose an impossibility were there some infinite goodness wholly extraneous to us with which ultimate communication were possible we should prize it more than ourselves because being infinite its attractions would always have more power to win us than all that is conceivable besides but this could not touch the will only the desire and therefore it would not produce real love which implies union i only speak of this somewhat metaphysical point with a view to certain visionaries who are apt to disturb themselves greatly with idle imaginations. We know that as rational men, we must needs love God better than ourselves, and as true Christians, we must obey this inclination. Be it ours to love him who is more to us than all the world, more than self can ever be, better than self or aught beside. End of Book 10, Chapter 10